short pants. <laughs> okay. um, the Old Testament reading is um, Joel um, chapter 2, verses 28 to 32. And if you wish to follow in the uh, church Bibles, it's page 645. So that's Joel 2, verses 28 to 32. And it's headed, the day of the Lord. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, that sounds bright. Um, our third reading this morning is Acts 10. Chapter 20, uh, verses 24 to 48. It is quite a long reading, so if you'd like to follow on in the Bibles on page 779, that probably would be quite good. Acts 10, 24 to 48. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. Talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, four days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour, at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know that has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. 
We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him from the dead and on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. By us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. This is the word of the Lord. When I started my first year in Bible college, way back in the 80s, uh, I needed a job. And I applied and got a job in a restaurant at DY washing dishes. It was pretty uh, a busy restaurant. I think sometimes I washed the same fry pan maybe 50 times or 60 times a night. But at the end of the night, the, the chef uh, cooked some food, put it on plates, took it out into the restaurant, gave me the dirty pots and pans, sat down with the wait staff had a little meal together, had a chat, divided up the tips and um, then they went home and I, when I'd finished washing up I went to the chef and he gave me the meagre amount of money that he told me he was going to give me and said to me, I'll call you next Friday if we need you again. I, I was a bit dumbfounded. I, I felt that I had really been kind of demeaned and, and um, you know, there was prejudice against the poor old dish pigs who all they did was wash up. And I, I don't think I'd ever really felt that before. Um, you know, it, we read in that passage that God showed no favourites. Well, I definitely felt that there were, there were favourites and there were people who, you know, were, were being treated in a different way to me and it wasn't nice. So, I, you know, it, you might think of another situation where you've been in where something like that's happened. But aren't we glad that the scriptures say that God shows no favourites? That's a wonderful truth just his own, isn't it? God shows no favourites. But the Jews didn't really understand this uh, quite as well as they should have. Way back in Genesis when God called Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation, he made promises to Abraham and one of them was that through Abraham all the nations of the world will be blessed. So the Jewish nation was supposed to be a blessing to all the Gentiles. But as history um, went forward, that resulted really in the, the Jewish nation feeling superior to the Gentiles. And we come to readings like this one from the book of Ju uh, Jubilees, which was written about the 2nd century BC, um, by a Jewish teacher, it says this, You also, my son Jacob, remember my words and keep the commandments of Abraham your father. Separate yourself from the Gentiles 
Do not eat with them. Do not perform deeds like theirs. Do not associate with, with them because their deeds are defiled and all their ways are contaminated and despicable and abominable. <laughs> that's pretty, <laughs> you know, like that's a strong message, isn't it? But that is, that is the attitude that the Jews had towards those who were not Jews, who we call Gentiles. And if we're going to understand this story about Peter and Cornelius, we have to feel something of the strength of that disdain that the Jews felt for other people. We turn to Acts chapter 10. It is such an important... Uh, it's a turning point of the book of Acts in a sense uh, because if Acts chapter 10 had not actually happened then you and I would not be here because Acts chapter 10 breaks the church of Jesus Christ out of being a little Jewish subgroup to being a religion for all people for all times and in all places. So what is this story and uh, how do we learn from it? We're talking about speaking up or speaking out the message of, of the good news of Jesus. And really, that is the, the reason that we're here as a church, isn't it? Because someone's spoken up to us and told us about Jesus and we're called to do the same thing. So how do we um, learn to speak up from this little story? Well, uh, as Anne said, it was a long reading, but it actually goes right back to the beginning of chapter 10, uh, and I'm going to quickly summarise that, but if you've got your Bibles there, it'll be helpful for you to, as we follow through. Um, we read that at Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Roman cohort. So Cornelius is a Roman soldier, uh, captain of a hundred, and he's in Caesarea, which is the military city, and uh, he is actually called a God-fearer. He prays to God, he gives to the poor and the needy in, in the, the nation of Israel and he's attracted towards um, the Jewish God, the one true God. But he hasn't actually taken any step to become a proper worshipper. You could become a, a, a proselyte if you wanted to convert to Judaism but Cornelius had not done that. He is a God-fearer and uh, we see that by his behaviour. So Cornelius is praying. He's praying at 3pm. Remember when Peter and John went to the temple? The hour of prayer it was 3pm. So he's following Jewish customs. He's praying to God and in the middle of his prayer he uh, sees an angel which was you know, not the normal experience of, of, of his prayer. He, he saw this angel and this angel gave him a message that he needed to call um, Simon, whose name is Peter, and he's in Joppa. So, he, so the angel gives Cornelius his name, his address, and probably his email or mobile so that he could make sure that he wouldn't miss him. It was imperative that Cornelius catch up with Peter, who is staying in Joppa, which is about 50 k's down the road, and uh, he's staying in the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. So Cornelius takes two of his trusted servants, and one other uh, person who is a soldier, a Roman soldier, but who is also a God-fearer. And they set out, remember it's three in the afternoon, so they're not going to get there in a day, um, but they arrive in Joppa, they track down 
the house of Simon the Tanner and it's about midday. So that's Cornelius' side. At the same time, the Apostle Peter is praying. Well, not the next day, the Apostle Peter is praying at 12 noon and he's hungry. Most likely he's been fasting and praying and he's looking forward to his lunch. Okay, so he, he falls into a trance, um, the scriptures say, and he had this vision and it's a great white sheet coming down out of heaven and on that uh, white sheet are all kinds of, of, of animals, a whole collection of animals. Some of them, according to Jewish law, are ceremonially unclean. And the, the Holy Spirit speaks to him and says, Peter, hop up, kill and eat. And Peter said, Lord, you've got to be kidding. I have never um, eaten anything that is unclean. Uh, let me find that verse because it's quite important. Uh, Peter, who is a, a fisherman, not, a, you know, not particularly tied up with temple worship or anything, but he can state that as a Jew, he has never eaten anything unclean. Verse 14. I've got 13 there. Okay, so verse 14. Peter says, Surely not. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean never had oysters Kilpatrick. Never had, you know, we think of the Old Testament food laws and we think, what are they about? Well, the, the Jews um, had, had made, made them into a separation between them and the people. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to him a second time and he saw the vision again. And then a third time. And just as he was pondering um, that vision... We, we read in verse 19 and 20 that while Peter was wondering about this, the Holy Spirit said to him, Simon, there are three men downstairs looking for you, but don't worry, I've sent them and you are to go with them. So in God's perfect timing, as Peter was having hunger pangs for lunch and saw this vision, the, the uh, two servants and the, the soldier arrive and they're at the very door. I don't know whether Peter got his lunch or not, but it just moves on where he's, he goes down to see these people and asks them, what, what do they want? And um, they tell him about Cornelius and, and uh, here's the first amazing thing. Peter invites them in, or the first step towards, um, un, towards accepting the Jews, Peter in, the Gentiles. Peter invites him, uh, the three of them inside. I say him because the soldier was certainly not a Jew. The other two guys who were servants may well have been Jews. But he's invited a Roman soldier, a Gentile, into his house, ceremonially defiling his house. So something is starting to happen with, with Peter. Something about the racial superiority and the sense of favouritism is starting to wane. So the next day they head off to Cornelius's house um, they get back to Caesarea in verse 28 we read we read Peter went inside and found a gathering of, of people he said to them uh, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew he's a Jew, he's a follower of Jesus but he still identifies himself as a Jew it's against our law for a Jew to associate or to visit a, uh, a Gentile 
But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Back in verse 15, at the end of his vision, um, the Holy Spirit said to him, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. So Peter has been able to transfer this thought from just food to people. And he's seen that God has, has led these men to his door to take him to Cornelius and he says, I wouldn't normally come anywhere near your house, certainly not inside, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Unbelievable, an amazing step for Peter to take. He's having a little bit of trouble though, uh, acclimatising himself in the, in the house of a Gentile um, and he says, what happened? Why did you call for me? And Cornelius revisits his story notice how we've had this this um, story repeated three times at the beginning of the chapter luke who who is the author of the book writes about cornelius's experience in the third person then when the servants and the soldier get there to peter they tell peter the same story and then when he gets to caesarea to um, Cornelius's house, Cornelius again tells the same story. Three tellings of the story. Three times for the, for the uh, cloth to come down, the sheet to come down. For Peter, three is a bit of a loaded number, isn't it? So he has perceived that God is telling him something and um, he is getting on board. So, Peter says, verse 19, May I ask you why you sent for me? And Cornelius uh, tells the story, and then in verse 33 he says, Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. That is every preacher's dream. Every preacher's dream. We are here in the presence of God to listen to everything that the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Probably scripture teachers dream as well. <laughs> okay, so as he goes to, to then answer uh, Cornelius' questions and tell him what, what um, God has, has laid on him about Jesus, let's just stop for a minute and identify a few principles because that's really what we're doing is that we're trying to see how we can be encouraged to speak out and the first thing that we see here with Peter and Cornelius is that they were serious prayers we need to remember that whenever we talk to someone about Jesus there's always two sides we're never on our own just trying to convert someone or trying in our own strength to do something there's two sides and God is at work in the one who's got the message and also he's at work in the one who wants to receive the message. Both of these guys, Peter and Cornelius, were serious prayers. So if we're going to go out with the message, we have to be people of prayer. Both Peter and Cornelius were also obedient to the word of God. Cornelius did what the angel told him to do and uh, Peter did what the Holy Spirit told him to do. Peter was even prepared to forego his, his whole cultural background all the things that he'd held dear all of his life 
when they went against the word of God, Peter was willing to put them aside. No thinking about our form of worship of God is better than your form of worship of God. No thinking about any kind of denominational superiority saying, well, we're, we're closer to God than you because we do this and you don't. No, Peter's prepared to put everything aside when God's word requires that, when God uh, has spoken to him. And then thirdly and finally, we read that, that Peter was also prepared to hear and Cornelius was actually prepared to listen as well. But we focus on Peter, the preacher. Peter was prepared to preach the good news of Jesus. It didn't come as a, as a surprise or a shock when, when he had an opportunity so that he didn't know what to say. And remember that verse that has been the cover verse for this, 1 Peter two uh, 3, 15? Always be prepared to give an account of the hope that you have in Jesus. That's our call as Christians, to be prepared to do that. And what a powerful combination this now becomes. Being people of prayer, that we might uh, know God's will and be in tune with what God is doing and be available to be used by him in his service. Being obedient to God's word, uh, living that life of doing what God calls us to do. And then thirdly, being prepared with actual words to, be, to say if, uh, when you have a chance to speak the good news of Jesus. That is what the church is about, isn't it? That is our history and our heritage and we need to uh, keep focused on that and keep reminding about it. Ask yourself, how seriously do you pray for gospel opportunities? Not just for the spread of the gospel, but personally for gospel opportunities. And are you de determined yourself to obey God's word even when it challenges your norms, your social norms? And do you have the words to say, have you spent some time to work out what you might say to people if they speak to you or ask you about Jesus? A, a powerful combination. We see it at work here. Um, Peter starts with what Cornelius knows. Everybody in, in uh, Jerusalem and certainly in um, places close to Jerusalem spreading out through Israel, everybody knows of, of Jesus and what's happened because there's been thousands of Jews who are in Jerusalem, who've been converted, and many of them have gone back to the, their own home places in the rest of Israel. Some have gone further away. But Peter says, you know about this Jesus. You know what's happened. And he goes through, beginning with John the Baptist, of saying how, how God marked Jesus out, anointed him with the Holy Spirit. Um, then the religious leaders put him to death, death on a cross. Then God raised him from the dead on the third day and... Uh, he is the one whom the Old Testament scriptures say um, is the Messiah, the judge of the living and the dead. And Peter concludes, verse 43, anyone who believes in Jesus receives forgiveness of sins in his name. So he's pretty close to the end of the sermon, but we read in verse 44, while he was still speaking, the Holy Spirit interrupted his sermon. That'd be good. The Holy Spirit interrupted his sermon in the sense that uh, Cornelius and his family and friends received the Holy Spirit just like uh, the apostles did 
on the day of Pentecost recorded back in Acts chapter 2. So as Peter was getting near the end, the Holy Spirit came upon these, uh, these people and they began to do what the Jews did at Pentecost, speaking in tongues, showing that they were, f- <coughs> that they were filled with God's Spirit. And some people have called this the Gentile Pentecost. Uh, in- interesting name, isn't it? But this, this is uh, the start of the, of the Gentile Christian church, of the church going multinational, as we see what's happened here. And again, the, the uh, people who came with Paul, the Jewish believers, uh, sorry, who came with Peter, the Jewish believers, they are shocked. Unbelievable. And Peter says, now I know God shows no partiality because he's given the Holy Spirit to these guys just as he has to us. So what is to stop us from baptising them? And um, that's what happens. They, they uh, re- repent of their sins, re- receive forgiveness in Jesus' name, they're baptised and they're members of the same church now as the Jews. So you have Jewish and Gentile converts. And the rest of the Old Testament teases out that relationship. It's not always an easy relationship, but the church is is a, a body now that is worldwide. And that's why this there's so much emphasis on this story. It's where we get the three accounts of Cornelius's vision. If you turn to chapter 11, Peter goes before the Jerusalem council of the, of the, the church, this time not the Jews. He goes before the apostles and he explains to them again what's happened because uh, they can't believe this either. But they hear from Peter what is said and then they say, well, we'll ex- God's accepted then the Gentiles into um, the church into fellowship with Christ just like we have and and it's not until the end of chapter 11 that the group finally become uh, becomes known by the name Christian okay so what an amazing incident in uh, in God's providence for building his church and as we you know are considering our own church God works specifically in specific circumstances, doesn't he? To bring about his purposes and his will. And here we are as believers in Australia, the ends of the earth compared to Jerusalem or Caesarea, but here we are believing in Jesus, receiving the presence of his Holy Spirit, being baptised as members of God's kingdom, just as they were in the scriptures just as Cornelius was just as Peter and the apostles were so God is is still at work and the great news is he wants to use us he wants to use us and in order to do that we need to remember the pattern that Peter used sorry yeah the yes Peter <coughs> what was it pray Be people of prayer. Pray for opportunities to be able to witness the faith that you have in Jesus. Pray. Obey God's word. Even when it ruffles your feathers and goes against all of the kind of social norms that you have been brought up to believe in. Put God's word first as your authority. Obey the word of God. And be prepared 
1 Peter 3.15 Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have but do this with gentleness and respect. That's our church. Let's pray that God will uh, encourage us to be that church and to be used by him. Lord God, we thank you for 96 years of, of Anglican worship in Balgala. And Lord, we thank you for thousands of years of Christian worship in places, uh, that some that we don't even know the names of. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God for the nations and that Christian faith is a faith that you want to see spread abroad. And we thank you that you not only have called us to know and to love you, but you've called us to serve you and given us, Lord, the, the partnership that comes from sharing the gospel. So, Lord, please help us to be involved uh, in your work for your glory and for the benefit of your world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.